7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America. Hello, America. 2 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it's 1943. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Hello, welcome in, happy Saturday, yes, it's Saturday night, and I ain't got nobody, ooh, welcome to Facebook Live, YouTube Live, uh, Twitch.tv, and the amazing folks at Rumble.com, yes, we love our Rumble audience, thank you so much. For joining and for subscribing over there at Rumble, we appreciate it. And to our podcast audience, you guys are the best. You're just the best. Thank you so much for all of your downloads and subscriptions. Really, really appreciate it. We're doing incredibly well in the hundreds of uh, downloads every week. I know it's not Joe Rogan, but, you know, hey... He's a lot better looking than me anyway. So, But no, I really, really appreciate it. We do really well across the U.S., Malaysia, of course, uh, India. We got a great audience in India. Thank you, folks. New Zealand, the U.K., Australia, all over the planet. And uh, for some reason, you love listening in to uh, an hour or a little less than an hour of my nonsense three times a week. So thank you. You'll find us on any of your podcast platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, Geo7. Uh, we're on all the platforms. Just look for that logo. Search for I'm Not Wearing Pants or Jay Sheldon. You'll see the logo. And that's it. Just click subscribe. It's free. And you'll get it. And you'll get notified also when we put up a new podcast, which is minutes after we're done with our live show. So thank you. Thank you really, really a lot for that. I appreciate it. If you want to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com. You'll find the link in our scroll down there at the bottom. You can also follow me on Twitter. It's at It's J Sheldon, I-T-S-J Sheldon. And uh, like I said, the Patreon link is also over there. And the first link in our description, always in our show notes, that's our description, is to uh, Miko Merchandise, which looks like this. This is our little girl, Miko. This is our show logo. We got mugs and caps and t-shirts and mouse pads and stickers and notebooks and everything. And right now we got this. It's Miko. Miko update. <laughs> oh my goodness. She gave us a little bit of a scare earlier tonight. As you know, about once every three or four months, she goes through this gastrointestinal thing. She usually winds up in the hospital because she doesn't eat. She throws up out of both ends, and uh, yeah, she looked like she was headed for another episode. She didn't eat her breakfast, and so, uh, hey, Sagar Sagar Love, hello there. Thanks for the like, appreciate it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button too. Thank you, appreciate that. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, she's doing very well. Uh, she ate her dinner. So that's a really good thing. And right now she's sleeping in the aircon in the other studio room over there on the other side of the building. So she's all right. She's doing fine. And thank you for asking. I get more people email me or send me uh, private messages. Want to know how's Miko? 
They don't care about me. All they care about is Miko. So that's fine. No, no, no. I don't blame you. That's all I care about, too. So there you go. Yes, uh, coming up tonight, pigs. Little pigs, big pigs, pig psychotics, crazy pigs. This is a totally non-halal, non-kosher program tonight. So be prepared for that, okay? I warned you. And also, of course, coming up when we're done with all the different topics we have tonight, uh, we will also be continuing chapter 19. It's a big, long chapter, so we broke it in half, of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. And that'll be coming up at the end of our uh, our stream tonight. So it's not all about pigs, but we've got a big pig segment coming up, and that will be in just a little bit. Uh, before we get to it, though, I did see a couple of really weird stories. One is new, and it made me think of an Indonesian connection. We in Malaysia, by the way, if you don't know, are very close to Indonesia. There's just a big body of water. Malacca Straits, is it, in between? Anyway, um, yeah, this story came out uh, from where? From ancientpages.com. It is the weirdest thing. That's what, by the way, if you're new to the show, that's what we do here. We basically cover all the weird, unusual stuff that I find. We do a little bit of controversial stuff once in a while. I have a strong opinion about something, and then I share it and talk about it a bit, which you're welcome to argue with me if you want to. Feel free. Put your chat in the chat or make a comment in the comments. Anyway... This article from ancientpages.com. All the stuff we talk about tonight, by the way, is in our show notes. You can check on the link, and it's there. Everything you see on the screen. So, Yihatsuri, I hope I'm saying that right. The little people of South Carolina living in the woods. The Native Americans' version of leprechauns. Now, I know this story came out because, you know, St. Patrick's Day. But, nevertheless, if you believe in a race of little people that once walked the earth, the myths and legends of our ancestors tell us about such things that lived in the woods, the mountains, and hidden places where humans couldn't find them. Native Americans have an oral tradition that tells of a race of tiny people, commonly known as the little people, kind of like me. Because I'm sitting down all the time doing this show. I'm like 5'6", by the way. I'm very short. And here in Malaysia, where, you know, a lot of Americans are quite big and quite tall, they're always amazed that I'm so short. They're like, you're American. You should be like 6'2". Anyway, yeah, we're not all the same <laughs> in many ways. The Shoshone Indians of Wyoming tell a story about the Nimarigar N-I-M-E-R-I-G-A-R, Nemerigar, who were aggressive little people one should definitely avoid because they are very hostile. Uh, the Catawba Indians in South Carolina have stories about the spirit world that reflects their own native traditions and Christianity. According to the Catawba Indians, the Yihasuri Wild little people, it translates to, live in the woods. And here's some of the uh, artist artistic impressions of the Yehatsuri, 
It's the best I can do for a pronunciation. Anyway, this is the Native American Little People from the Iro Stories Iroquois Tell Their Children by Mabel Powers is the book. Uh, the Yahatsuri, often referred to as wild little Indians, are about two feet tall and can sometimes be rather unfriendly. Uh, the Ikatauba Indians believe that these little creatures live in tree stumps and eat mostly frogs and insects. This is really weird. It, little like leprechauns, which are found, of course, in Irish folklore. Uh, many ancient accounts of similar beings in other parts of the world. And read the whole article. It's in there. Here's some more artist depictions of some of the strange little creatures, the way people seem to think they exist. This one looks like the, the movie The Troll. Very weird. Anyway, the whole article is in our show notes. You can click on the link, check it out, and read the whole thing if you want to. Uh, it's rather cool. It's rather interesting. And there are people who absolutely believe this. Oh, you know what I just noticed? In this picture, you see here, they have Massachusetts, Rhode Island. Right there, although it's not labeled, is Connecticut. That's my home state. So you can tell there's New York, New York City. You can see that's my area. So apparently we've got some some little people around my area too. Maybe that's maybe that's why I wound up so short, huh? <laughs> Could be. Anyway, this made me think about a story that I had heard, which actually is not a, a Native American legend. It's actually true. And this came out many, many years ago. Here's an article from uh, abcnews.go.my. Links in our show notes. But uh, this is an actual true story. And it is from 2004. Scientists find ancient hobbit-sized people. You may have heard about this story. It was very popular back uh, 15, 20 years ago. Once upon a time, uh, which sounds like the start of a fable, but it's not, on an isolated island of Indonesia, there lived a colony of little people. Very little people. Not only did anthropologists find the skeletal remains of a hobbit-sized 30-year-old adult female in this fairy tale-like discovery, they also uncovered in the same limestone cave the remains of a Komodo dragon, stone tools, and a dwarf elephant. Now, this is a very wordy article. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I encourage you, please, to check the link out in our show notes and uh, read the article yourself, because it is fascinating. We now have the remains of at least seven hobbit-sized individuals at the cave site. So the 18,000-year-old skeleton cannot be some kind of freak of nature that happened to stumble across, uh, said Roberts, an anthropologist at the University of Wollongong in New South Wales, Australia, co-author of the study about to find in this week's issue of the journal Nature. And uh, he said, although modern humans have reached Australia by about 45,000 years ago, so far no evidence suggesting the small species of human and modern humans ever met. Uh, because the two existed in the same general region for nearly 30,000 years, it's certain that they must have come face to face. That according to another author, Michael Morewood from the University of New England. So very strange. He argues Homo erectus reached the island building some kind of water vessels. And uh, since Flores was never likely connected to the mainland by a land bar, no evidence of a prehistoric boat has ever been found on the island. 
but many scientists remain skeptical that primitive man could have managed the feat. But besides swimming, which isn't very likely, the only other known possibility would have been rafting, catching a ride on a, uh, on a micro-island that had broken off the mainland. Anthropologists say this probably wouldn't have worked for large creatures like Homo erectus. Fascinating article. You must read it. It is so cool. And as opposed to the leprechaun story we started with, this one. There's science, folks. Real science. Not, you know, Fauci fake science. Real science. Did I say that? Yes, I did. All right. (laughs) What else have we got? You want to complain? You like to complain? Everybody loves to complain. That's basically what Facebook and Twitter and and it is all about. It's just people complaining. I've been much more active on Twitter and Getter, by the way. You'll find me on both platforms. The link is in our show notes, the description down below. For Or you can go to my link tree. Uh, that is down here also in our scroll. Um, you can find all the links to all my social platforms there. Why we must avoid the habit of complaining. Now, I need to take a lesson from this article. <laughs> Again, Emmanuel Joseph posted it. It's a public post, so I'm not giving away any sharp family secrets. It's actually a repost from Dr. Rizal Abu Bakar. And uh, it is a fascinating, short piece, but fascinating little piece of science. You know that there is a habit of complaining that actually damages the brain. Serious. Researchers from Stanford University, not a small little place, looked at the effects of complaining on the human brain, how people that complain a lot, how their brain is affected. Researchers found that the brain complains that part of their hippocampus brain or memory center becomes smaller, just like those with Alzheimer's. And not just the feat of complaining. Curses are the same. Includes cursing and digital speakers? Scary again. Those who listen once also fall for this, meaning everyone involved in gossip gets the same effect. The memory center of people who complain or gossip, they're hippocampus brain, your memory center, shrinks. It might be microscopic, but nevertheless, it shrinks. That is so weird. Imagine what will happen when brains shrink, memory centers not working like they should. Not only that, but complaining indirectly rewires their brain to be more prone to anxiety and depression. Which, you know, kind of makes sense. If you're always complaining, you're always, you know, this is, uh, the world owes me a living, my life sucks, everything's terrible. You know, if, if that's what you're doing 23 out of 24 hours a day, it makes sense that anxiety, depression are going to follow. Complaining once in a while is right on the issue. The issue is being a constant complainer until it becomes a habit. Well, how to avoid it? The easy way is you need to uh, reprimand. Do it face-to-face. Start off with a praise. Don't keep attacking. 
If you can't, just keep quiet. <laughs> In other studies, the way to avoid complaining is to be grateful. Focus on the things you have to be thankful for. Thank God I didn't do that, or thank God it didn't happen that way, or thank whoever you choose to follow, or thank the gods, thank Mother Nature. Avoid gossip, avoid, avoid being a complainer, and avoid joining groups who do complain, which would probably take you and disassociate you with all of your Facebook friends and every WhatsApp group you are a member of, no doubt. Serious. Oh, man. Because that's all these groups are. Places for gossip and complaints. That's pretty much it. Hmm. Like this. We promised you pigs tonight, and it's time to talk about pigs. Serious. This article is from January, but nevertheless, it's in our show notes. It's from World of Buzz. We love you, World of Buzz. Thank you so much for all the strange and unusual stories you do. Keep us in business. But um, local media received backlash for this. Okay, this looks like a bunch of pictures of pigs. But if you look closer, you'll see, let me get my mouse back, you'll see that the pictures have all the faces of the pigs pixelated, blurred out. Need to protect their identity, is it? Local media receives backlash for censoring faces of pigs. Just recently, a local media was slammed for posting an infographic which appeared to be promoting people to commit immorality. Uh, another local media has managed to unintentionally grab the attention after they had censored the faces of pigs in their Instagram post. Yeah, they put this on Instagram, but they blurred out, pixelated the faces of the pigs. Apparently so you wouldn't get offended. How stupid do you think people are? The story was about how a large number of pigs re recently infected by African swine fever at Paya Mengguang. Uh, the media company had for some reason made the decision to censor the faces of the pigs, which many considered to be a wrong. <clears throat> you can replace wrong with the word stupid move. Uh, the post had been then deleted from the Instagram page, and netizens got all their quiggles in a tuff over that. He quickly reacted to the odd censorship, some even bringing the matter over to Twitter. Twitter users Weirded out by censorship. After it was reshared by netizens on Twitter, a lot of users expressed their confusion. What are they hiding? The pigs' flaws? Why are they censoring the faces of the poor pigs? I swear these people just get dumber by the day. <laughs> uh, because all the pigs are my friends. We need to protect their identity. Yeah, okay. So it just goes on and on and on. Now, of course, pigs are not halal. We live here in Malaysia in a mostly Islamic country. Uh, Islam is the official religion of Malaysia. Uh, you are free to practice, unless you are Malay, you're free to practice any religion you care to, to practice. Uh, we do have, most of us do have that part of uh, freedom, a freedom of religion. Uh, but as I said, Islam is certainly the... Uh, 
the main uh, religion and belief system here in uh, in Malaysia. And I've got no problem with that. I've lived here quite happily for 20 years. Uh, I have told you the story before that when I first heard that uh, Malaysia was a mostly uh, Islamic country, uh, the only impression I had of Islamic countries was on my little 19-inch television set brought to me by the lying fake news CNN. Uh, so I thought, do I really want to live in this crazy place? Uh, fortunately, I realized that uh, CNN is full of crap, and my impression of what a Muslim country is like was completely wrong. Uh, however, there are some things that uh, happen, especially having to do with pigs, because pigs in Islam are completely forbidden and not halal. I am not Islamic. I don't pretend to speak for anyone. Uh, and I have a very limited knowledge of the religion, a basic knowledge, but very limited. So I'm not going to pretend to say, uh, you know, this is this and this is that. Uh, however, I can make comments about some of the stupid things that people do. Like there was a apparently a WhatsApp group or message going around saying that squid rings which are very popular fried and included in dishes here. We, we eat a lot of squid in this country. We're actually uh, made from pig rectums. It isn't true. It has been shown to be completely bull stuff. And uh, let's see, test results. Here's an article uh, just from uh, three days ago, I guess. Yeah, about three days ago. Uh, from thevibes.com, no pig DNA found in squid rings. That according to the fisheries department. Uh, test results sent to Joachim for further action, says the deputy director general. Uh, the fisheries department confirmed no porcine, which is pig DNA, was detected in frozen squid rings samples as viraled on social media. Uh, the department, through the laboratory of the KL Fisheries Biosecurity Center, had carried out porcine or porcine analysis on the squid ring samples, and uh, they're in very high demand from local consumers, and they are safe to consume, and they do not contain pig uh, DNA. That story, however, became very viral and took off across WhatsApp and uh, was shared and then across Twitter and all kinds of social media platforms. Well, because of one idiot who started an, an untrue rumor, everybody goes crazy. Because, you know, I mean, if that were the case, that would obviously be an enormous problem. But it turns out, as people should have assumed in the first place, that it was complete crap. It was complete bullcrap. And good on this company, because from the New Straits Times, this article, the squid made from pig intestines? Nope. And the company is going to take legal action. Yes. Go get them. Shenhua Resources, ready to take legal actions against the original netizens who spread the fake news on its frozen squid rings, purportedly to be made of pig intestines. Its chief executive officer, Rodney Soon, and good on you, Mr. Soon, told reporters that fake information had harmed the company's reputation and sales at several places, including Perlis, Kedah, Penang, Selangor, and Putrajaya. 
Uh, Jaquim and the Domestic Trade and Consumer Affairs Ministry have started to investigate the allegations in the five states by collecting a few boxes of samples. Now, we this was an older story. You've seen the, since the results that showed there was no porcine DNA. Uh, the related authorities took eight boxes of samples, six from Selangor for testing. The results are now out. After discussing with our lawyers, we will take action against the two netizens who spread the fake news, he said, urging authorities to investigate the incident under the Communications and Multimedia Act of 1998. And there is a a picture of uh, the gang from the company that sells these squid rings, which are legit squid rings. Folks, Before you start sharing these things, if, if just, you know, think, think, please. Use that head of yours for something other than covering your neck. Seriously. And you know what? If more companies that get badly affected in sales and reputation go after these morons who do these kind of ridiculous things, um, then it will stop, I hope. Another article I put in the show notes tonight is from Hype, uh, Hype.my. And uh, this recent article, uh, just uh, March 4th, real or fake, allegations of calamari squid rings made of pig butts goes viral. That's what they normally look like, by the way. And, and they are delicious. <laughs> so anyway, it goes on and on. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the misinformation, urban legends, and uh, spreading even way before the birth of the internet. But with the existence of social media today, you say one thing and all of a sudden it's popped around to thousands of people. Uh, Younger generation tend to be more quick in spotting anything suspicious. Actually, you know that's true. It's the older generation that loves to gossip and loves to, ooh, look, look what I found here, share this, share this. Honestly, the younger people do much less of that. They are much more willing to say, wait a minute, this doesn't sound right. Let me check this before I start sharing this around with my friends. And that's actually quite true. So you older people out there, knock the crap off. Or you're going to wind up with a lawsuit too. And you should. Seriously. All right. There's a lot of articles about this. I put all the links to all these different articles in the show notes. You can check them out. And, uh, oh, look at this. I just got to share this with you while we're talking about squid rings. (laughs) Look at that. Do you know how yummy that would be? Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. Now I'm getting hungry. Stop it. We have been obsessed about this for a long time. And like I said, if you just stop spreading the gossip and the rumors and when you if if some you know use the bell book and candle method i've told you about it before when i used to teach in the police academy when i was with the internal affairs i used the bell book and candle method a little bell goes off you know what i mean not literally a little bell but a little a little thing rings in your head and says hmm maybe something's not right about this Then you go to the book and you look up the rules and you see what the rules are. You see what the facts are. You see what the supporting documents are, whether or not what you're about to do is right or true. And then the candle, remember, bell, book, and candle. 
when I make this decision to do this, what is going to happen when the light of public scrutiny falls on what I'm doing? Despite the bell going off, the book says this, what's going to happen when the light of public scrutiny, the candle, is shown on what I'm about to do? It ain't a bad method to use, especially in social media postings. Uh, this happened way back in, uh, what year was it? 2014. Just to, you know, again, let you know how crazy sometimes things get with this ridiculous pig problem in Malaysia. Cadbury went through their own crap. Uh, the halal overreaction. Um, read this article, and uh, it, it again, the... the Malaysian Health Ministry stated it had detected pig DNA in samples taken from two batches of Cadbury chocolates. Uh, global roars from selected Muslim groups and KL was heard. But now they say there are no traces of porcine contamination and the non-halal samples were not taken directly from Cadbury's factory. So again, that proved to be a non story. If people had just waited, if people had stopped and thought before they started spreading misinformation, it would have saved Cadbury a lot of time and money and expense and reputation loss. And it would have saved a lot of people a lot of crap. So uh, yeah, this has been going on here for a very, very long time because people are just so quick to share silly things. Okay. Just one quick note. This is a wombat. It is a member of the marsupial family. Okay? I just wanted to throw that out there for those of you who <coughs> might get a bit confused. Now, all of this leads me to one thing. One thing. I've been saving this. It's a movie. It's a movie that I watched. I'd never heard of it before. Somebody recommended it to me. And I watched it, and it has become one of my top five films of all time. It is absolutely remarkable. It's from last year. It's from 2021. It stars Nicolas Cage. The movie is called Pig. If you have not seen this film... I put a link to this article and also the trailer on YouTube. I put a link at the bottom of our links of show notes tonight in our description. You must see this film. I just went through the list of uh, Oscar nominations. Why no one in this film, in particular Nicolas Cage, why his name is not on that list is a disgrace. Because A, the film is remarkable. I promise you. One of the best films. It's a simple film. It's not some big, high, you know, Marvel Universe, shoot 'em up bang-bang thing. It's a simple little film. But it is absolutely incredible, and I cannot recommend it strongly enough. Nicolas Cage should not only have been nominated, but should win an Oscar for his performance in this film. Sadly, it was completely panned by the Oscar committee. Why? I don't know. Because it deserves everything it could be awarded. I cannot speak highly enough about this film. You must watch it. Check the trailer. 
watch the film. I don't even know where it's airing or if you can find a copy of it, but if you can, find it, seek it out, watch it. And here's, here's the saddest part of all about this film. I don't want to give away any spoilers because it's you, the film reveals itself as it goes through the 90 minutes or so of the film. Um, this film would never in a million years air here in Malaysia or be able to be seen in the cinema here in Malaysia. And the reason for that is simply because of that word right there. The title of the film is Pig. And for that one reason, Malaysians will never get the chance, sadly, to see this remarkable, remarkable film. Let me share this with you. I think I can make this work. This is a trailer, trailer for Pig. for a truffle pig. Someone stole her. I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig. What are you thinking? If nothing else, watch that film. It's absolutely remarkable. Incredible. All right, there you go. That's our pig story, and I'm sticking to it. Now, like I said, it's just a complete shame that a film as remarkable as that one will never, ever be able to be seen in Malaysia because of people's mindset. It's a shame. If you can, find a way to seek that film out and watch it. 
trust me, be worth your time. And then let me know what you think about it, by the way. Send me an email, nopants at jsheldon.com. You can email me about anything if you like. I read all your emails. I reply to all of them. So check it out and uh, watch the film. Okay, it's time for a book. We, uh, we read classic books on this show. We've been doing that from the very first show, 189 or 90 episodes ago, 190 episodes, I forget. I think it's 189 tonight. Uh, they come to us from the Gutenberg Project, and uh, it's all free over there, gutenberg.org. We thank them very much. We've done all kinds of great books, The Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, Peter Pan, Christmas Carol, uh, you name it. We've done Alice in Wonderland. Right now we've been doing The Adventures of Tom Sawyer by the incredible Mark Twain. And, um, okay, hang on just one quick second. All right, cool. Um, yeah, the incredible Mark Twain's, uh, the adventures of Tom Sawyer it was written back in 1876 by Mark Twain. And we always give you this one little bit of warning. Uh, it was written in 1876 and some of the words used in this book were perfectly acceptable back then today in 2022. Not so much. That includes the N word, by the way. Uh, back in 1876, that was a word they used quite frequently and fluently. Uh, today, we don't use that word. I am, however, reading this book exactly the way it was written by Mark Twain back in 1876. So if those kinds of words upset you, you might want to find something else to do for the next few minutes. Uh, we are halfway through chapter 19 and the adventures of Tom Sawyer. They had all had a big picnic and they were headed back to the ferry boat because night was on its way. Huck was already on his watch when the ferry boat's lights went glintly past the wharf. He heard no noise on board, for the young people were as subdued and still as people usually are, who are nearly tired to death. He wondered what boat it was and why she didn't stop at the wharf, and then he dropped her out of his mind and put his attention upon his business. The night was growing cloudy and dark. Ten o'clock came. The noise of vehicles ceased. Scattered lights began to wink out. All straggling foot passengers disappeared. The village betook itself to its slumbers and left the small watcher alone with the silence and the ghosts. Eleven o'clock came, and the tavern lights were put out. Darkness everywhere. Huck waited what seemed a weary long time. Nothing happened. His faith was weakening. Was there any use? Was there really any use? Why not just give it up, turn in? A noise fell upon his ear. He was all attention in an instant. The alley door closed softly. He sprang to the corner of the brick store. The next moment, two men brushed by him, and one seemed to have something under his arm. It must be that box. So they were going to remove the treasure. Why call Tom now? It would be absurd. The men would get away with the box and never be found again. No, he would stick to their wake and follow them. He would trust to the darkness for security from discovery. So, communing with himself, Huck stepped out and glided along behind the men, cat-like, with bare feet, allowing them to keep just far enough ahead not to be visible. They moved up the river, street 
three blocks and then turned to the left up a cross street. They went straight ahead until they came to the path that led up Cardiff Hill. This they took. They passed the old Welshman's house halfway up the hill without hesitating and still climbed upward. Good, thought Huck. They'll bury it in the old quarry. But they never stopped at the quarry. They passed on up the summit. They plunged into the narrow path between the tall sumac bushes and were at once hidden in the gloom. Huck closed up, shortened his distance now, for they would never be able to see him. He trotted along a while, slackened his pace, fearing he was gaining too fast, moved on a piece, then stopped altogether, listened. No sound, none, save that he seemed to hear the beating of his own heart. The hooting of an owl came over the hill, ominous sound, but no footsteps. Heavens, everything was lost. He was about to spring with winged feet when a man cleared his throat not four feet from him. Huck's heart shot into his throat, but he swallowed it again. Then he stood there shaking, as if a dozen augs had taken charge of him at once, and so weak that he thought he must surely fall to the ground. He knew where he was. He knew he was within five steps of the stile leading into Widow Douglas's grounds. Very well, he thought. Let them bury it here. It won't be hard to find. Now there was a voice, a very low voice, Injun Joe's. Damn her. Maybe she's got company. There's lights, late as it is. I can't see any. This was that stranger's voice, the stranger of the haunted house, a dead chill went to Huck's heart. This, then, was the revenge job. His thought was to fly, but then he remembered that the widow Douglas had been kind to him more than once, and maybe these men were going to murder her. He wished he dared venture to warn her, but he knew he didn't dare. They might come and catch him. He thought all this and more in the moment that elapsed between the stranger's remark and Injun Joe's next which was, because the bush is in your way. Now, this way. Now, you see, don't you? Yes, well, there is company there, I reckon. Better give it up. Give it up? I just leave in this country forever. Give it up. Maybe never have another chance. I'll tell you again, as I told you before, I don't care for her swag. You may have it. But her husband was rough on me. Many times he was rough on me, and... Mainly, he was the justice of the peace that judged me for being a vagrant. And that ain't all. It ain't a millionth part of it. He had me horse-whipped. Horse-whipped in front of the jail. With all the town looking on. Horse-whipped, you understand? He took advantage of me and died. But I'll take it out of her. Oh, don't kill her. Don't do that. Kill? Who said anything about killing? I would kill him if he was here, but not her. When you want to get revenge on a woman, you don't kill her. Bosh, she'd go for her looks. You slit her nostrils. You notch her ears like a sow. 
by God, that's keep your opinion to yourself. It'd be safest for you. I'll tie her to the bed. If she bleeds to death, is that my fault? I'll not cry if she does. My friend, you'll help me in this thing for my sake. That's why you're here. I mightn't be able alone. If you flinch, I'll kill you. Then I reckon nobody'll ever know much about who done this business. Well, if it's got to be done, then let's get at it. The quicker the better, I'm all a shiver. Do it now. And company there, look here, I get suspicious of you first thing you know. No, we'll wait till the lights are out. And no hurry. Well, Huck felt that a silence was going to ensue, a thing still more awful than any amount of murderous talk. So he held his breath, stepped gingerly back, planted his foot carefully and firmly after balancing one-legged in a precarious way and almost toppling over. First on one side, then the other. He took another step back with the same elaboration, same risks, and another, and another, and a twig snapped under his foot. His breath stopped and he listened. There was no sound. The stillness was perfect. His gratitude was measureless. And now he turned in his tracks between the walls of sumac bushes, turned himself as carefully as if he were a ship, and then stepped quickly but cautiously along. When he emerged at the quarry, he felt secure, and so he picked up his nimble heels and flew. Down, down he sped, till he reached the Welshman's. He banged at the door, and presently the heads of the old man and his two stalwart sons were thrust from the window. What's the row here? Who's banging? What do you want? Let me in quick. I'll tell you everything. Why? Who are you? Huckleberry Finn. Quick, let me in. Huckleberry Finn, indeed. Ain't a name to open many doors, I judge. Well, let him in, lads. Let's see what's the trouble. Please don't ever tell I told you were Huck's first words when he got in. Please don't I be killed, sure, but the widow's been good to me sometimes, and I won't tell, I will tell, if you promise you won't ever say it was me. By George, he has got something to tell, or he wouldn't act so, exclaimed the old man. Out with it, nobody here ever tell, lad. Three minutes later, the old man and his sons, well armed, were up the hill, and just entering the sumac patch on tiptoe, their weapons in their hands. Huck accompanied them no further. He hid behind a great boulder and fell to listening. There was a lagging, anxious silence. And then, all of a sudden, there was an explosion of firearms and a cry. Huck waited for no particulars. He sprang away and sped down the hill as fast as his legs could carry him. That's chapter 29. <laughs> wow. All right. Coming up uh, chapter 30 on our next stream on Monday night. I'm sure we're going to conclude this uh, bit of story and the adventures of Tom Sawyer and find out what happens with Injun Joe and the gang. All right. That's going to do it for yet another interesting hour or so. Thank you so much for listening in, watching in on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Rumble.com. We love you, Rumble guys. Thank you. Thanks for the subscribes, too. Appreciate it. It's a button up there somewhere. You just click it. It's free. 
and all of our podcast listeners. Thank you again so much for for your downloads and subscriptions on our podcast across all uh, podcast uh, platforms. I'll see you again on Monday night. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Good night. (laughs)